0: Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the DraftSite Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full-round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. It's Jared and DJ for DraftSite Podcast. We are back, or at least I am back. I took a little hiatus. Zach is gone tonight, so I am back for the night with the famous DJ Boyer here. DJ, how's everything going?
1: It's great. We have a we have a Jared sighting. That is what's most important here. It's good to have you back here on on one of our podcasts.
0: Uh, thanks. I know I wasn't missed, but uh, I'm happy to be.
1: back. Oh, you were ex- missed extremely. Come on now. Yeah. Well,
0: I guess uh, you can only have so much Zach Ohio State talk. So good to have a Wolverine back on the. On the way <laughs> So, uh, I know a lot of people are watching the Mets game right now, as am I, in the background, so I'm trying not to get distracted, but, um, it's been a pretty good series. Have you been watching it?
1: Absolutely. Um, not sure who to pull for here. I kind of like both teams. They've kind of done it the right way. Mets building themselves through good young pitching. Uh, the Royals after coming so close last year, uh, I'd be happy with either team winning.
0: Yeah, I think the Royals really um, have something to play for. You know, really trying to revenge the loss from last year, and I think the Mets really had a lot of momentum. But what I was afraid of going into this game was that there was such a long layoff before their uh, before their last series ended that they would lose some of this momentum. And they also celebrated that. I mean being here in New York, they kind of celebrated as if they won. So when that happens I always I always look at team celebration, I predict who's going to win the next series and um and I say, Well the Mets celebrate so much they're not you know, they're not going to have this sense of urgency. They're not going to really want it as much, even though they'll want it, they won't care as much. They think they could get back there. But I don't know. I think there's uh you know, there might be enough veteran leadership in there. I think Terry Collins probably knows how hard it is to get back. David Wright knows how hard it is to get back. So it looks like from game one so far that they're that, you know, it's a pretty should be should be a pretty good series. I'm excited.
1: Yes, and, and for all those uh sports fantasy nerds or anything out there, people who play APA, I'm an avid APA player. My top pick in the APA draft last year for newbies, we have a uh, dynasty league, was Jer- was Jacob DeGrom, and uh, he will be, looks like with the grading system, one of only eight A pitchers for next year, and good thing for me, I'll have two in my league, I'll have, have he and Garrett Cole, so follow the Mets ex- exclusively for that, and hopefully get a chance uh, with uh, Noah Syndergaard, hopefully maybe I can get my uh, mitts on him in my league, but yes, for yeah. all those people yeah. out there. Who play APA, it's essentially Dungeons & Dragons for sports nerds with cards and dice, but it, it's a wonderful game. <laughs>
0: well, tell us, tell us a little bit actually what it is, because I'm pretty sure uh, you never know with this crowd, but I, I'd, I'd say about 75% of sports fans do not. Actually, let's let's make it closer to 95% of sports fans probably do not know what APA is.
1: Well, oh, it's a sports game. has been an event since uh, 1951. You'll get a card for every player. In our league, we play a 160-game slate. And uh, for a particular position, you cannot play that uh, person more than the amount of games that he appears in that year. For starters, the number of starts they have. Relievers, the number of innings. And you're basically managing a whole team. We have a 35, 35-person roster. Um, numbers, on you roll two dice. Um, one at the different colors, and there'll be a lead dice, like a, maybe 62 or a 41 or different numbers appear on the cards, and numbers mean different things uh, depending on the grade of pitcher that you face, A, B, C, or D. Um, Also, as well as numbers mean different things when there's uh, um, where people are on base. Uh, Maybe an eight will be something different from when there's no runners on base to, say, there's runners on first and third. So very uh, realistic. There's injuries. We even have games called because of rain. Uh, there's even blasts oh, wow. that, that happen from time. It's it's as realistic as it gets. Pretty much everything. The only the the only thing they've not been able to introduce into the game is some sort of uh you know having a player juice and get steroids involved. That's about it. Interesting.
0: Well, if anyone wants to know more about APA or you want advice or you want to join a
1: league, uh, contact us. Put you in touch with DJ. He'll give you all the advice you need. <laughs> yes, yeah, um, we'll be looking forward to next year since I have Mike Trout and Bryce Harper in the same outfield next year. It's going to be awesome.
0: All right. Back to uh, back to reality. Uh, <laughs> actually, speaking of the MLB draft, uh, before we move on, good news is we are releasing the 2016 Uh, Version one of our mock draft coming either at the end of this week or next week. So we got that back. For any baseball fans, uh, if your team did not make the World Series, now you have something to look forward to. It's called the draft, and we're going to have coverage start soon. But because we got D.J. on a call, and he is our NFL college football guru, the draft expert, everything – Every superlative word you could think of, let's talk Mock Draft, because we just released a new version of ours right now, and I want to hear, DJ, what your thoughts, what your rationale was behind a lot of things, and uh, how the teams lined up.
1: Let's start with the teams. Certainly. In round one, with the number one pick, I currently have the Tennessee, uh, Tennessee Titans. I've been taking uh, Robert Amici, the uh, defensive end-slash-defensive tackle-slash-wide receiver-slash-running back who pretty much does everything but throw the ball at Ole Miss. Matter of fact, i got Ole Miss with the top two picks. Uh, I have the Detroit Lions picking a number two with Laramie Tunsil, the, who is now back out on the field. We talked uh, at length about some of the eligibility issues going there. He is... Uh, He played in their last game against Texas A&M. Looks like he'll be good for the rest of the year. Looked very good in his first game back. And with Tennessee, you know, for those conspiracy theorists out there, I've said everything going on in Philadelphia that uh, my conspiracy theory was that Chip Kelly was imploding the Eagles from the inside out, making uh, very, very questionable personnel decisions that uh, he would be let go. Tennessee would continue to struggle and that uh, Chip Kelly would be brought on. And by 2018, he would be the Titans head coach. But in this scenario, maybe it's next year. Who knows? Top of the top of the draft, why not reunite Chip with Marcus Mariota? I've already I've gone out on a limb. I'm, I'm saying that's what's going to happen. But uh, I've been picking a one. Tonsil at two. Third, I actually have the San Francisco 49ers with Ronnie Stanley, another offensive tackle. Uh, Notre Dame, of course, the, the Niners could be looking quarterback. Talk. So much talk about Colin Kaepernick and the inconsistencies there. Seems to be some locker room turmoil going on. But uh, we've seen that the line is is really uh, kind of been on a, a downward spiral the last two to three seasons in San Francisco. So getting a potential uh, franchise-type tackle like Ronnie Stanley, who probably was a top-ten pick that he declared last year from Notre Dame, those are my top three picks thus far. What do you think of those uh, first three? Your thoughts, Jared?
0: And Vichy has been my number one guy. And you've heard me talk about him since probably last year. Um, anytime we've had a different number one guy, I cringe. It was kind of like last year where I, where I always thought, or was it last year or before? Um, where I always thought um, Clowney was going to be the number one pick. I remember watching him from high school. He was a freak athlete. I said, there's no way someone's going to pass him talk all year long. He goes from one to five to three to four to, and then back to one where he belonged, even though he doesn't necessarily belong the number one pick, you know, he's uh, as he's been showcasing in the NFL. But, uh, and DG's my guy as well. Uh, no matter what we do in the mock draft, when April, I think it's back to the end of April this year, uh, when it comes around, he's going to be my guy for number one. So, um, I like that, obviously. I think, uh, I, you know, one thing I want to talk about, the number one, you you brought this up before, the number one team, if the draft were tomorrow, who would get the number one pick, was a
1: surprise team. DJ, who was that? If the draft were tomorrow, this team would get the number one pick. And it's the team I actually have picking at number four in my latest mock. It's actually the Baltimore Ravens. And my hell, the mighty have fallen. Uh, the, the Ravens under John Harbaugh have been so competitive and year in and year out. They're, they're in the playoffs, usually nip and tuck with, uh, with the Patriots. Team that's probably played New England better than anyone has over the last three to four seasons. Of course, they have a Super Bowl in there. So it's a little bit surprising. Good luck, some bad luck. That defense, uh, that, that stout defense that usually seems to rank in the top ten year in and year out. Currently ranked number 30 in the league, so there's definitely some problems on that side of the ball. But they've had a couple of close losses. Take uh, last night's game in, into account where, you know, they, they got it within one position and it was an interception in the end zone in the last minute. So Baltimore has been competitive. And uh, having them pick at number four, I actually have them with Joey Bosa, the defensive end out of Ohio State, who was my number one prospect going into the season. The thinking there being Ravens are just lacking that uh, pass rushing bite. Uh, I think McPhee leaving, of course, the, uh, the second time that we've seen an Achilles tear for, for Terrell Sugg, So, you gotta wonder how, how healthy T. Sizzle's gonna be when he gets back. T. Sizzle. T. Sizzle. Gotta love that nickname. Uh, you know, yeah. you're getting some more, uh, more, uh, pass rush there along the edge. And, uh, to round out the top five, I've actually got the Cleveland Browns, who essentially seem to pick in the top ten every year. Connor Cook, first quarterback off the board. Michigan State have Cleveland uh, probably playing it safe, taking another quarterback. So uh, that, that's my top five thus far. And if you did not see it, I, I would have to send you the, the actual link. It's, it's one of the funniest things I've ever seen. But uh, there's a, a fan in the Cleveland area. I don't know if you've seen this, Jared, but actually has a Halloween display that is uh, very well done, and the front yard is nothing but gravestones that have all of the Cleveland Brown quarterbacks since Bernie Kosar. <laughs> it is, it's hilarious. It's one of the best things That's I've awesome. ever seen. They're very well done. Yeah, There's up, been right? so many. I mean, the yard's probably littered, and probably can go into the neighbor's yard. Gosh.
0: All right. Well, we'll, we'll throw up on Twitter. I. Um, yeah, it's sad to see the Browns keep going through this every year. I. They have been doing the right things, trying to build the interior, um, the offensive and defensive lines the past few years. They might just not have gotten the best players. But, um, you know, I think with the Ravens, I like that Bosa pick, because in my mind, what the Ravens are really missing is leadership. And I think they've you know kind of lost that since Ray Lewis went out. Um, Ray Rice, as much as you know, people might hate him, and as his, I should say, career kind of ended, he was kind of a leader on that offense. It wasn't Joe Flacco. I, I don't, I don't think people, I don't think people on the team actually really liked Flacco that much. I mean, I don't know if you remember that. I think it was, um, it was Hard Knocks, or maybe it was behind the scenes where he once tried to. It was coaxing trying to coax his offensive lineman to trip the player if he actually went the distance on a on a return, and I remember his O lineman were like, "No, we're not gonna we're not gonna trip a player as he's playing. That's just you know." He's like, "I'll do it, I'll do it." Um, in my mind, I remember watching that video and thinking, "Okay, now these guys don't these guys don't love him, so they need another leader, and they lost Ray they lost Ray Lewis a while ago. They lost Ray they right." Terrell was trying to be that and he was a good player. I don't know if he had the same command on the defense and they have, you know, they have a few guys like Daryl Smith, um, not necessarily might be a leader, but not necessarily a winner everywhere he's been. And same with Steve Smith, a type of guy who might, you know, play tough, might rally some of his teammates, but not necessarily a consistent winner. And there's only, you know, so much you can do from a wide receiver position. So, I like a guy like Bosa, guy who might be, uh, you know, bring some um, bring some extra energy and some force along that line. I think they have a lot of good players um, that they drafted over the past few years. So just getting just getting healthy, and um, and maybe some consistency on their all line might might bring them back to might bring them back to a, a good place next year.
1: And I like what you say about Steve Smith. Obviously, this is going to be his last year, and we know that they're kind of devoid of weapons there, kind of drafting some more of the, the, the tight ends. Crockett Gilmore, Nick Boyle out of Delaware, a, a small school player we were very high on this year. And Rashad Perriman, their first-round pick, and unfortunately injuries have kind of derailed his year. So uh, there's, there's a couple weapons are kind of missing there. But I'll kind of continue with the, the rest of the first half of the first round. I have the Jacksonville Jaguars picking at six with Jalen Smith, linebacker out of Notre Dame may not be a player who has done more for his stock in the first round other than Jalen Smith or this next player, at number seven, second quarterback off the board, Paxton Lynch, the junior from Memphis. And anyone who's listened to our program or read any of the blogs has known that I've been preaching Paxton Lynch since before the season began kind of came out of nowhere. And lo and behold, after Memphis is, is now undefeated, uh, they're 16th in our current uh, Fierce 40 poll, and the upset of Ole Miss has actually, you know, launched into kind of into kind of that stratosphere. And now he's actually a top 10 pick, for, um, you know, the hare, Mr. Kuiper, and some, some other players. So it's amazing mm-hmm. sometimes. Uh, you know, you you got to look for those small school players or players not as well known. It's something we specialize in, and. You know, maybe, maybe before that, that big win that kind of catapults them, we, we've been screaming about Paxton Lynch forever. He's a guy that has a very good mobility, even though he's not going to put up the big rushing numbers, he, he's, he can just buy time in the pocket, he can, he can actually take some design runs, and, and, and why not? He's got a very good arm, and when you're six foot seven, 245 pounds, Obviously, that's something that uh, is going to turn a lot of teams on, especially a team like Houston and the Ryan Mallett saga and what we're hearing there. Uh, Houston's in right. desperate need of a quarterback. So if you have Houston at seven, we have Jalen Ramsey. The safety out of Florida State is playing more corner this year, but we have him going to the Bears. Bears probably use more help in the front seven, but probably time to get someone out of the uh, secondary, the him or Vernon Hargraves. It was kind of a toss-up there, but I think there's a little more help uh, in the back for the Bears, have the Chargers currently picking at nine? A. Sean Robinson, the defensive tackle out of Alabama, another defensive mm-hmm. tackle going at ten. Where I currently have the Washington Redskins, Andrew Billings out of Baylor. To me, I think is a guy who just does not get enough credit. So much is said about the the freak there, Sean Oakman, in that six foot eight, two hundred eighty, two hundred eighty five pound frame. But I think Billings has been just as impressive, and and we currently have him as a top ten pick. Uh, At 11, we have Vernon Hargraves going to the Kansas City Chiefs to kind of pair up with Marcus Peters, who's been a choice thus far for the the Chiefs. At 12, the Philadelphia Eagles uh, selecting Spencer Drongo, the offensive tackle out of Baylor. Probably is the heir apparent to Jason Peters. We know that things have not gone well in Philadelphia, but again, Peters looks like he's going to be okay after that scary injury on Sunday night. The cart came out for him, but uh, you know, the line in, in Philadelphia has been much maligned this year and, you know, Peters has been a great pick, but it, I think it's time that they they start planning for the future there because in a year or two it's probably going to be the end of the line for Peters. Staying along the offensive line, Buccaneers, who had the top pick last year, and then with Taylor Decker, the offensive tackle out of Ohio State. Staying with Ohio State at 14, Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys taking Ezekiel Elliott, uh, the first running back off the board there. 15 and 16, we have the New Orleans Saints and the much-improved Oakland Raiders. LaRaven Clark, the offensive tackle from Texas Tech, going to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. As much as we talked about Philadelphia, New Orleans probably has the worst offensive line in the league, so getting some help up there would, would be beneficial. And at 16, the Oakland Raiders, that's the third pick from Baylor. We just talked about him, Sean Oakman, the big defensive end out of Baylor, going number 16 to the Oakland Raiders. Any picks? that uh, we kind of showcase there in the top half of round one kind of stand out for you?
0: I like Raven Clark It's probably one of my favorite tackles in this draft. I um I think he's being overlooked because he's on Texas Tech right now, but I I could see him being potentially a top tackle in the draft this year. Uh well, I shouldn't say that. Tunzel will probably be the first, but um I could see him being next as conversation goes on. But I, I do love what I do love what you said about you know, the quarterback from men Memphis because every year since begun begun I've always kind of preached, you know, go with what you believe, um, and don't look at other mock drafts. And that's I remember when we started, I, I refused to look at any other mock drafts because I didn't want to know. I didn't want to be I didn't want anyone to say, Oh, you're only the year that and I wanted it to be really unique, and I think that's what stood out to a lot of people in the beginning. Uh, well, one was because we were the first seven round mock draft and the first mock draft all year long. Um, but two is because, you know, we weren't afraid to, uh, project guys higher than anyone else had them or had even heard of them. So we were introducing guys that no one had even heard of. So, um, as, I like what you, I like that we have him in the top 10. Uh, when you said Kuiper had him in the top 10, I think it's funny because if Kuiper didn't have him in the top 10, we'd probably be getting, you know, 20 emails that said, oh, what are you got, stupid, how do you have him here? But now that he, now that Kuiper has him there, it kind of validates. So as much as I don't like to look at other mocks, it's nice when they kind of validate our beliefs as well. Even if people will probably see his first and then go to ours. You know, say, oh, you're just copying. Uh, it's nice to have some consistency there because at the end of the day, as you said before, it actually takes publicity a lot of times for these prospects to, you know, be bumped up not only on mock drafts but sometimes in scout size because scouts, you know, they might rank a guy high, they might rank a guy low, but if they think other teams like him or if they think they're getting a lot of press, they're going to have to rank him higher because they know that they're now a more valuable prospect, they, they know that they're probably going to go earlier than they had projected before. So, um yeah, it, it's surprising. It's surprising to see New Orleans kind of in such bad shape, especially their offensive line is always so strong for a while. I mean, they were they were known for getting guys, you know, kind of underratedly and, and developing them a little bit. And uh, you know, I, I guess the last kind of draft was. T- Ron Armstead, but I think they 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 really need an overhaul. I don't know what that is. I don't I don't think getting rid of Drew Breeds would necessarily solve anything. But I think you know um, the fact that they created Jimmy Graham, were able to get a first round pick out of that, and and they're able to you know maybe trade some of the other guys. They traded uh, Kenny Still. I think getting some young guys at all their position will really really help feed you know some of their I guess I should say young vets, you know, guys who have been there a few years like Cam Jordan and uh, Kenny Vaccaro, because those guys are those guys are standout players who really could make a difference if the rest of the team
1: comes along. So, but I like uh,
0: I like what's going on so far.
1: And for everyone who's out there who's, who's listened as, as well, they know that right now my favorite quarterback is not even a Division One quarterback. It's actually Carson Wentz from North Dakota State. I have. Set it time and time. If it's up to me, I, I believe he is the best quarterback in this draft. The best. Now, I currently have him in round two in this mock. I think his stock is taking a little bit of a hit. He did, unfortunately, suffer a wrist injury in his last game. It should not impede him for, as far as his draft status, he should be well healed by draft time. As a matter of fact, it looks like with North Dakota State and the fact that they've won four titles in a row, uh, that – the team thinks that he will be ready for a playoff run uh, once that does uh, that once that does happen. So, uh, and, and right now we've got him in the mock at the end of round two, actually going to the Cardinals. So why not? Uh, his name's Carson. So replace Carson Palmer with Carson Wentz. Carson for Carson. Right. But uh, he right Any now. Any chance he, he can redshirt? Uh, he he. It doesn't look like he's going to be able to redshirt. And he is six six two thirty. Talking about another guy who. And he can move around. Very reminiscent of a Ben Roethlisberger, when he got someone who's going to be running for a ton of yards, but just has a good presence and a feel in the pocket, can really step up, just even if it's just shuffling his feet just to buy more time and uh and find some other pressure. Cannon of an arm. At at seventeen, I've got the Buffalo Bills with Laquan Treadwell, the wide receiver from Ole Miss, the first wide receiver off the board. 18, I currently have the Miami Dolphins. The man who's uh, talking about a a person recouping from injury and he's already declared for the draft, Miles Jack, the linebacker from UCLA, who would have to declare. Another underclassman at linebacker, Leonard Floyd, the linebacker from Georgia going 19 to the St. Louis Rams. Uh, 20, which would be right now the last of the teams that are not in the playoffs. That would be the Seattle Seahawks with Emmanuel Ogba, the defensive end from Oklahoma State. Of the current playoff teams that we ranked 21 to 32, these are teams who currently would be in the playoffs, uh, if it ended, you know, if the season ended today. 21, we have the Minnesota Vikings with Tyler Boyd, the wide receiver from uh, Pittsburgh, who's had a couple off the field issues, but if, it, if it's not for that, I, I think outside of Treadwell is probably the best wide receiver in this class. The New York Giants picking a 22 and, you know, they've been lacking some bite, uh, in, in up front. So uh, we've got them with Kenny Clark, the defensive tackle out of UCLA. The Indianapolis Colts at 23 with the top guard in the draft, Vidal Alexander out of LSU. Shalikwe Calhoun at 24 to the New York Jets. Talking about quarterbacks and potential p- um, fits here, we've seen what's happened recently, especially with the injury to Ben Roethlisberger. Christian Hackenberg going number 25 to the Pittsburgh Steelers in the first round. Quarterback from Penn State. 26, Rashard Higgins, the who I believe is the best wide receiver in this draft, if he does declare, out of Colorado State. Look Looking like the heir apparent for a Roddy White at 26 there to the Atlanta Falcons. Another wide receiver 27, the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, with Michael Thomas, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. Anthony Zettel, the defensive tackle turned defensive end uh for Penn State going to Arizona. Adolphus Washington, defensive tackle out of Ohio State going to Denver. At 30, the Panthers... Panthers, Jonathan Stewart getting up there a little bit. They've just let go of uh, D'Angelo Williams before this year. Stick with what, what gets you there, a very physical team. Derrick Henry, the running back out of Alabama, going to Carolina at 30. Uh, I currently have the Patriots 31, and of course we know that pick has been forfeited and we're not going to get into deflate gate. Uh, so currently the, the last pick uh, I've got as the Green Bay Packers with DeForest Buckner, the defensive end out of Oregon. That is the first round as we see it right now on draft site.
0: Yeah, DJ,
1: talk to me about a couple of the second round guys because
0: uh actually before we move on, let's talk about talk about a few guys. Um Shalik Calhoun, what caused his drop? That's my first question. Number two, Jared Goff. There were some people who were, you know, uh Zach, I know, loved him. I was talking about him from week one, and then there were some people who wanted him as the number one pick. But now he is in the second round. Let's uh, let's talk about that. And, um, and two, as far as uh, there's a couple of other guys that we had pretty high at one point: um, Jordan Jenkins and um, uh, who was it? Uh, Reggie Ragland. Uh, from Alabama, how do you uh, how do you see those guys jumping in the first round? So let's let's start with uh, let Calhoun. What what's caused this drop so far?
1: I don't. It, it just seems like he's he's playing solid, but it just seems like he's not just really standing out. There's just been a couple of players, especially at that position, who have really just kind of asserted themselves, and you know we're seeing more of these tweener players. That, that defensive ends are more linebackers. Now Calhoun to me really looks more like a defensive end, but there's some that are really questioning that now. So he's kind of a guy where, where maybe the tweener label is is kind of hurting him. And you know going into last year, I believe I had him as the fifth or sixth pick overall. He was a top 10 prospect heading uh, heading into last season. He did uh, he did go back to school, and I think that's about where he would have went. Had he come out last year, he was probably in the I'd say 18 to 28 range, probably the just after the halfway point to the to the back of of round one, and there's so much uh, there, there. There's just so much talent on that Michigan State team. There were some that uh, once Marcus Rush left, uh, they thought that 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 his play kind of dipped a little bit, and thought that maybe you know, there were there were so many people talking about Marcus Rush really benefiting from Shalique Calhoun, but it kind of seemed to be the other way around. Maybe Calhoun got a little bit more of a a bump there, and once he saw kind of more of the double teams, he wasn't able to, to beat those double teams on a consistent basis had he, had he done before, or when he wasn't able to uh, you know, get as many, when he had some more defensive ends that, that attracted so much attention around him the, the season before, when he was the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. As far as Jared Goff, a quarterback that I like, but I've been saying the whole time, people who wanted him as the top pick overall, it was it was crazy. To me... This is a quarterback It's very, very reminiscent of Terry, Teddy Bridgewater. He's going to put up some very big numbers. You'll like what he does, but watching him, it's what he doesn't do. There's, there's a lot of throws that he doesn't make. There's decisions that may not, may not necessarily be the right decisions or trying to force balls into coverage. Uh, we've seen it with, I believe, it's eight interceptions now in his last two games. But I still think he's a very good quarterback, and, and one of the things I brought up with one of the last calls, uh, last shows we had had uh, with Zach is I think he's very coachable because I think a lot of it's mental because when you see him under duress, he's one of the best quarterbacks at the NCAA level beating the blitz. When you just put an all-out blitz on him or really kind of get him, when he has to make a quick snap decision, it's a very good decision. So for me, it almost looks like, Maybe he's a guy that is his own worst enemy and he's, he's overthinking things or just just needs to kind of slow it down and really get comfortable because when he has to make those quick snap judge judgment decisions, Goff is right there with Connor Cook as far as the best quarterbacks that I see at the NCAA level beating the Blitz. And I think that could be ultimately what catapults Cook into the top quarterback that is picked. I just think he's the safest quarterback out there. I don't think he's necessarily going to be the best. But of all those big-time quarterbacks, Connor Cook, to me, is the least risky prospect. And we always look at these first-round quarterbacks, and it's only about 50% for guys that are, quote, considered busts and guys that really make it. So Cook, again, I don't see a huge upside with this guy, but to me, he, he's kind of a can't-miss guy. He's, he's not going to bust on you. So I, I think golf. It, it, it's more mental. I think it would take him a couple of years. But the, the fact that he does so well against the blitz, uh, to me, really shows that that he's he's got all the talent that that you're looking for. And I'm a big believer in a uh, big believer in lineage. And we, we talk about people who come from sports families. You know, you're also talking about his father. I believe it was six or seven years. He was a he was a catcher, Major League Baseball catcher. So we're talking about a very athletic family. He's got the genes. And right now we have him as the second pick in the the second round. We're hearing more and more about a, an overhaul in Detroit. and Maybe Matthew Stafford's not going to be around there because you've got Matthew Stafford and Calvin Johnson with those huge cap numbers. You know, one of the one of the things that I'm hearing, and, and it's kind of like under the surface, is Stafford could be walking. Maybe the the lines kind of go in a different direction. Do that overhaul. I, I really think, to me, that that is the perfect scenario to get someone. Uh, a Matthew Stafford, get him to Dallas and possibly be the uh, the heir apparent to Tony Romo. You've seen that Dallas hasn't won a game since Romo's went down, uh, so I, I think a, a team like that that's kind of established that can go out and kind of maybe just give give a team like the Lions a pretty good package and, and some some players in return or some draft picks. I think a scenario like that with a Matthew Stafford is could. Could pan out, and that's why I have actually Goff right now going at uh, number 33 in the second round, second pick overall in round two. Some other players we talked about, Jordan Jenkins, just some inconsistencies. Um, Just seems to not play the the run as well as you'd you'd like. There's there's plays where he comes in and just seems like a world beater, makes a a big three, four-yard stop behind the line of scrimmage, and others where it's just over pursuit or just small things where – he just seems to, to miss out and, and Reggie Ragland, I think he's a guy that could go in the first round. I mean, we're seeing the outside linebackers and the rushers are kind of valued more right now than those traditional inside linebackers, but Raglan is just an absolute monster tackling machine. And we've seen some players uh, like uh, Upshaw or CJ Mosley out of Alabama that, that did go later than what we expected, but are doing very well at the NFL level. And I think Raglan could fall into that class, but to me, he is first-round talent. Uh, he, he's a yeah. little bit lower in this draft than I would think, but but I think Ragland is a first-round uh, first-round talent. I think he's going to be very very good at the next level. Yeah,
0: yeah, I think it'll be a good year for teams to get linebackers late. Uh, I think it's a deep class. You think, think about getting Ragland or Scooby Wright in the second round. I mean, those those guys are going to do well. You know, they they might not always have the. The measurables or uh, the timing and everything, but they'll do well. They, there's guys who do great in college and you just know no matter what team they're going to go to, they'll figure it out. Um, cause at the end of the day, again, it's football, but I, uh, I think that's going to be it for the night, but I want to let everyone know that, um, scouting reports are now up on draftside.com. So if you actually click into any of the players, uh, you might find a scattering report. They're being developed slowly throughout the rest of the year. Um, and uh, it'll be a good insight, positives, negatives. And by Shasky Clark, our good friend Shasky, you remember Shasky? He's back, baby. Scattering reports are hot and heavy off the press. So check them out. Keep coming to the site. Check out the new mock draft that was just released. Uh, DJ. Has insight into all the players if you want any more information, you just let us know
1: Thanks for listening in and DJ thanks for joining tonight go next absolutely have a great week guys